Welcome to Colombo and Katie on a Wednesday afternoon. A busy Wednesday afternoon. Thank you for being with us. I'm Tony Colombo. My partner's Katie Fitzpatrick. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I thought today was Thursday the whole day. It's Wednesday. I almost asked you when I just said it's a Wednesday afternoon. I almost said it's Wednesday, right? Oh, my gosh. All day long, thought it was Thursday. All day last last Thursday, I thought it was Friday. One of these days, I will get, get it right. right. <laughs> One day, I will get it right. Well, it is definitely Wednesday, which is always a, a great show because we open up Closest Cabinet. We have some fun talking to Mark Close from KC95, Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet. We do that just after 3 o'clock, so that'll happen in uh, about an hour from now. Also, Wednesdays are the day that we talk to the insider's insider of Missouri politics, the great Rodney Boyd. And uh, so he will be joining us. In just about 35 minutes, about 2.40 this afternoon, we'll talk to Rodney Boyd. He uh, will give us the latest from Jeff City. I'm telling you what, I am pleasantly surprised. Well, right now, Rodney, <laughs> maybe I should hold. Maybe I should hold my optimism until after we talk to Rodney. But to me, the it feels like the division, contention, drama that we saw in Jeff City within the Republican Party between Senate leadership and the Missouri Freedom Caucus. I'm not saying it's all gone and things are hunky-dory because they're not. But two weeks ago, it felt like mm-hmm. this was this, like this. It wasn't going to end and it was name calling and we're, we're not going to be talking about actual the, the legislative session, actual business for a while because it just felt like they weren't even talking and there was no way they were going to. It felt like, to me, it felt like they were that divided. Yeah. And it hasn't been that. It's actually over the last couple of weeks, it feels like to me at least that there's been more communication and more progress and more work yeah. done than I thought there would have there's been. There's definitely movement happening <laughs> legislatively, but there's these protests that keep happening on in Jeff City on Capitol Hill, these pro-Hamas, anti-Israel protests. Yeah. And Tim, whenever he gets in, and you guys listen to the Tim Jones and Chris Sharp show starting at four, he'll probably speak a little bit more about it. But there was a big protest that happened last night, and I want to see what what does impact that. Yeah, what does that have to do on people making policy? What does that have to do to these organizations that want to meet at Capitol Hill to discuss things? I mean, now it's not necessarily the infighting within the party. Now it might be the outside coming in. Yep. Yep. So we'll get the in, we'll get the insight, the information, what's happening in Jeff City, uh, what's happening politically with that uh, uh, the infighting in the Republican Party, and also what's happening policy wise, mm-hmm. what bills are moving forward. So uh, looking forward to that conversation with Rodney Boyd at about two forty this afternoon, and in just a few minutes we're going to talk to our friend Jonathan Heslop, uh, of course from Rockwood Charcoal, but also he's opening up his new. Sandwich. Oh shop. my gosh, I'm so pumped. Capriotti's, which is a which is in other cities around the country, but we don't have one in St. Louis. But well, well now we do. 
Thanks to Jonathan Eslam. You so, can't beat a sandwich to me. You I, can't beat a sandwich at lunchtime. That is a go-to. So yeah, Love so it. this is uh, this is this is super exciting news, and Jonathan's going to join us in just a few minutes uh, in studio to to talk about the grand opening of the new the new uh, restaurant. So looking forward to that. All right, let's uh, dive in here. Nikki Haley lost the Nevada primary last night to nobody. <laughs> Did you even know there was a primary last night? Uh, I have so many questions about this in Nevada, but can, I have—I am so confused. It's, it's confusing. I am so confused. It's confusing. I can—I think I can help. Okay, but yeah, I, I read this and I'm. Did like, you even know that there was a primary? Not at all. <laughs> not at Which all. Which most people didn't. And I didn't know the structure of this whole setup. Yeah, because it's like, a mess. It's a mess. Total mess. And the reason that. That we haven't talked about it and hardly anybody has talked about it is because it doesn't matter. It's basic it was a it was basically a non-event. I didn't even I didn't even think we would talk about it today. But there has been some interesting there's there's some interesting developments that have happened unexpectedly, so now it is worth talking about. But the Nevada primary was last night. Um, there's a reason that we weren't talking about it and, and nobody else was talking about it because like I said, it was essentially meaningless. Um, I don't know how deep you want to go, but ba- so the basics are there was a disagreement in the state of Nevada between the Republican party, the democratic party, the way that state does their primaries. They usually, they did, they did caucuses. Democrats wanted to change it to a primary, whatever. Big argument in Nevada. Not worth getting into all of the uh, uh, all the weeds there. But what ended up happening was some Republicans still wanted to do a caucus, and some wanted decided to, to go along with the primary. The primary. And mm-hmm. if you were a candidate that participated in the primary, you could not participate in the caucus, and vice versa. So Nikki Haley was in the primary, but Donald Trump is in the caucus. So they'll never go against each other in the state of Nevada. So it doesn't, so matter. It doesn't matter. But the interesting thing that did happen last night is here were here were the Republican voters' options in the Nevada primary last night as they in the in the ballot box. Nikki Haley. Mike Pence, Tim Scott, because these candidates, you know, they they sign up for these primaries, you know, months and months ago. You know, but now so, they're out. So right, what? but now they're out. Of course, doesn't matter. So Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Tim Scott, and and this is exactly what it said on the ballot. None of these candidates. That's literally what's written on the ballot. So none weird. of these candidates. It's bizarre. And congratulations, with 63% of the vote, none of these candidates has won the Nevada primary. (laughs) 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 A landslide victory for none of these candidates. Such a horrible look. It's a bad look. Nikki Haley got 30% of the vote, and it's not all in yet, so these numbers may change slightly. Uh, I think there's about 90%, 88% of the vote count or some, around there last time I checked. So these numbers could change slightly, but Nikki Haley got 30%. Mike Pence got 4%. Tim Scott got 2%. And none of these candidates 
in a landslide victory, got 63% of the vote. I take back what... Okay, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And it this, doesn't, but, I, it's, but optically, it's that's horrible, bad. But, but in a way... This is so revealing because that just proves the domination of Donald Trump because the person that the the nominee, the person that has everything going on is Donald Trump. So if I guess if you don't vote for Nikki Haley and obviously Mike Pence and Tim Scott, like if those aren't your people, then who is your person? And if you voted none of the above or whatever the language was, doesn't that mean Donald Trump is your person? I mean, it also mean means that? it also means that you were m- motivated. Look, I'm a very active voter. I vote in primaries. I vote, you know, I vote, 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 vote. I vote anytime I anytime there's an important bill, whatever it may be, uh, not just general elections. If <laughs> if I was a Donald Trump voter. And he wasn't in the primary. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't take the time out of my day to drive to the polling place that day. I might go to the caucus because that's what he's in. So it's 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 funny to me that so many people in Nevada drove to the drove to their polling place to vote for nobody. But I think (laughs) like in a literal sense. Vote for nobody. I think this is now. I know what you mean, but I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't but, have taken five minutes out of my day. But this knowing is the it's difference. meaningless and my candidate's but not this on the ballot. Is, this is the difference because you aren't someone that really, really loves Donald Trump. Right. So, so even if you hypothetically thought to yourself, if I was a Trump voter, I wouldn't go do that you aren't someone that loves Donald Trump. Right. And so I think the thing that we're underestimating is the, not revenge, I would say, but people doing whatever it takes to make the point that Trump is their guy. And this is part of that process, I think, of being like, you cannot have him on this ballot and you could pick none of the above but the point still remains that it's not going to be Nikki Haley. It's right. going to be Trump. I, I do think that someone that loves Donald Trump is capable of making that drive and putting in that tally. Is Obviously. It, do you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, I I, I, I don't think there's any other I don't, explanation. Yeah. What else would it be? And also, if you are a Nikki Haley supporter in Nevada, even... Without Donald Trump on the ballot, this is your chance for her to look good. So, yeah, you would think they'd come out tenfold that the Haley voters in Nevada would be motivated to go out and give her a good showing, even though it's it's not real, but it's still it's better than losing to none of these candidates. So you would think that her voters would be more motivated to come out than Trump voters. I would never drive to the ballot box to vote nothing. Maybe there were other. No, it's a primary. I was going to say, maybe there were other things on the ballot that was people were it. going to vote for. I, yeah. But, I, okay, so let let me ask this. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. <laughs> but let me ask this. Let's say that Nikki Haley's people did come out and they came out in droves. Does that prove the point even more that no matter how many people come out for Nikki Haley, she's going to be always playing the t- the catch-up game to Donald well, Trump? Yeah, but 
again, it saves her the embarrassment of getting doubled up by none of these candidates. But that's what I'm saying. Like, what if, if all of those people did come out yeah. because they're like, we want it to look good for our candidate and we want Nikki Haley to look good. They can do whatever they possibly can by by voting for her. But does it still prove the point that even the most that they do? Yeah. It isn't in comparison by the most that Donald Trump, he, their, his voters yeah. are going to do. Yeah. And by how many? Right. No, you, it, uh, you're exactly right. But it does at least... If that happens, then the best case scenario is we're just not talking about it today. Yeah. Instead, yeah, that's true. it's a negative story. And like I said, I had no intention of talking about the Nevada primary or the Nevada caucus because they were meaningless. We haven't promoted. We haven't talked about it. No, we haven't. I wasn't going to talk about it today. Right. But this developed. So it only is a story because of how bad Nikki Haley looks. And the people and people on social media are having a field day. Democrats and Trump Republicans. Republicans. Oh my goodness! I picked out a few Let's, choice yeah, ones. Yeah, I want to hear. Democratic National Committee spokesperson Alex Floyd tweeted out, "Quote: Congrats to Nikki Haley on being the second choice to of Nevadians to no one yeah. and winning a grand total of zero delegates." David Axelrod, of <laughs> course, a longtime uh, Obama person. Tweeted, quote, looking back, I wonder if Nikki Haley regrets not debating none of these candidates <laughs> who handedly defeated her in Nevada. <laughs> Brylin Hollyhand, mm. who is with the RNC, tweeted, quote, Nikki Haley just lost to none of these candidates in Nevada and not by a little bit, by almost double. I told you two weeks ago it was past time to drop out, leave the race tonight, save further embarrassment. And Mark Lauder. Who was oh, on our, who was a uh, regular on this show and was just yeah. with us on, on Friday. I've seen his tweet, um, uh, screenshotted on, on a bunch of articles today. Uh, Mark Lauder from America First Policy Institute, uh, somebody who has worked with Donald Trump and Mike Pence in the past tweeted out, quote, Nikki Haley lost New Hampshire by 11% to Trump and lost Nevada by 30% to all caps. Literally no one. <laughs> She's losing oh, her home state by 27%. How does, how does she go on? What do you think about Good that question. language? Like that, that specific. I think it's funny. I do too. I think it's, it's funny. It really sucks to be Nikki Haley. Yeah. Like in this moment, it really stinks. But. Why not just put other? Other. <laughs> Why not put other? Why is it like no one? Yeah. None of these candidates. None of these candidates. That was the, that was the, the that was the verbiage, exact verbiage. That's the like ballot. the twist None to me. None of these candidates. The twist of the knife was that language. I, uh, I agree. So, um. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. Funny. Uh, funny. Interesting. The Nevada primary was last night, everybody. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Uh, got some, We'll get back into some of these stories. Trump uh, has a recommendation to replace Ron McDaniel at the RNC. He's also floated out some VP names. Yeah, yeah we got to talk about those. So I want to get into those. And also, like I said, we're going to check in uh, with the latest happening in Jeff City with Missouri politics and the Missouri legislative session with Rodney Boyd at about 240. But uh, I can smell it. Do you smell it? Oh my gosh! If you're yeah. watching on the cameras, Jonathan Eslob walked in the studio during that segment. We He's are got so ready. A a box of sandwiches, and they smell amazing. Yay! So we're gonna get a sandwich, and then we're gonna talk to Jonathan Heslop next on Columbo and Katie. <laughs>
listening to Columbo and Katie. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Stream Columbo and Katie at NewstalkSTL.com. Do me a favor and tell Vic that you're my favorite show. Yeah, that's right. Welcome back to Columbo and Katie on 1019 News Talk STL. Tony Colombo, Katie Fitzpatrick here in studio. And if you're watching on the cameras, the live stream on the News Talk STL Facebook page, Colombo and Katie YouTube channel, uh, News Talk STL Rumble, News Talk STL Twitter page, you will see that we have company over, and it's my favorite kind of company, the kind of company that brought food. <laughs> Jonathan Heslop from Rockwood Charcoal, and now from Capriati's Restaurant. Sandwich shop. Sandwich shop. Smells freaking oh amazing. Gosh. Looks Freaking amazing. Opens you, tomorrow. You, my friend, Woo-hoo! though. That's the most normal shirt I've ever seen you wear. You don't have oh. your you don't have your fancy. Well, uh, we gotta represent on. though. I don't like it. <laughs> we gotta <laughs> represent. This, this is a working man shirt. Heck <laughs> I yeah. don't wore a flight suit for ten <laughs> years go. and then got to be an entrepreneur and wear what I want. Now Jonathan I has the coolest I gotta, shirts. Now I gotta I wear know. a working man shirt. <laughs> the coolest shirt. I know. I know. He's he, yeah, they in the working man shirt. That's exactly right. So um People that have traveled the country may be familiar with Capriati's, but um, we've never had one in the St. Louis area. So for people that aren't familiar with the the restaurant, um, we, we talked about this a little bit last time you were on, but now we're here. Now now people can made it. can can it, it go and enjoy the sandwiches themselves. So uh, remind folks or, or tell po- folks uh, about Capriati's and specifically about your brand new location. Capriati started in 1976 in Delaware, and uh, they opened some locations there. They started franchising, and then a family member moved out to Las Vegas, loved it, stayed there, and opened a location in Las Vegas, and it grew from there. Uh, eventually, uh, some investors went out and bought them out, and that's where it uh, exploded, was in Las Vegas. They've got, uh, I think it's close to 40-something locations across Nevada now, I think 35 of which are in Las Vegas. So that's where I went to one in, uh, I think it was 2005, off West Sahara in Las Vegas. I was out there on a budget, you know, trying to do Las Vegas on the cheap. And I, I loved it, and I've been going there every time because uh, I'm out there twice a year, whether it's for the SHOT Show or the helicopter convention, whatever. And I thought every time, boy, it would be cool to have one of these in St. Louis. Yeah. And it took me 20 years, but tomorrow is the day. Oh, my gosh. So so we've exciting. had people coming up and down Manchester, honking, waving. Heck, yeah. Uh, we, we did some uh, little, a couple little soft opens for friends and family in previous nights and had people like standing at the door. Are you open? Are you open? And we invited them and come on. And, you know, we can't turn them away. Yeah. They go, oh, my God, we, you know, we had one of these in whatever city they were in or a lot of them were, you know, were in Las Vegas, enjoyed it in various casinos and places like that and they were just uh they're they're pumped yeah and uh, i'm i'm excited for you because me too i know that this has been you just mentioned 20 years that, it, that it's you know this has been in your mind uh, uh after going to capriati's and falling in love with the food and the product and being such a believer in it and i think that is so important and so cool about the story of you bringing um this 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 restaurant to the area and i've known just from you know from our friendship over the last just two or three years how much how much work 
and dedication behind the scenes while running a business, while running a successful charcoal company and raising a family on top of yes. everything else it, to, to put this work in. So This was way more than I thought it was going to be when I got into it, money-wise and <laughs> time-wise. This is just not making slinging sandwiches. This is, a, lot this is a machine uh, that we've got, and it's uh, since it's already a package system, it's going to be a well-oiled machine. Yeah, so that's we, awesome. We're staffed up. And uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Everything's working, and uh, the sandwiches are great, and we're ready for tomorrow. So you it's guys, be, so the grand official grand opening is tomorrow. What specifically is the address? And then, all, so and then it's you're open seven days a week, also, right? Yeah, seven days a week, uh, ten to eight every day, and it's nine five three two Manchester. It's right uh, at the corner of Manchester and McKnight, which turns into Rock Hill Road. So we're right next to the Aldi. We're next to our next door neighbors are real cool. That we got Katie's Pizza and the Hangar, cool. and uh, we've got a new new kids attraction going in there called Lava Islands. Yeah, that's coming. Yeah, yeah they're there. X Golf. We've got. Um, Dang, the, uh, you're in swim, a really hopping area. Foss uh, Swim School. He's we got Jonathan Eslam. That's right. I want to play around in those other areas. That's so. true. That's <laughs> so, true. The, but the really cool thing is that we've got Global Brew across the parking lot. We can't serve alcohol. They can't serve food. But together, we can serve <laughs> food and alcohol. <laughs> so, awesome. so we're del- going to be delivering it's sandwiches. It's made in heaven. Yes, we're going to be delivering sandwiches over to Global Brew. You don't have to get on DoorDash or anything like that. We just take them across the parking lot. It's a 45-second walk to get there, and we'll be dropping off uh, sandwiches at Global Brew every night. So That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a perfect scenario for everybody, beer and sandwiches. So you guys, obviously, Capriati's, is a, you, know, you go to the website, you go to the specific St. Louis Capriati, Jonathan's uh, Yeah, if you try to get Facebook on there right page. now, I don't think it's been turned on yet, but it will be but tomorrow morning. But you have a Facebook morning. page also yes, for yes, it's your out location. There. And yeah, so there's, there's yeah, places it's that you on, can... It's on Instagram. We've already had uh, five influencers show up at uh, already cool. taking pictures because they awesome. they heard the buzz about it in other cities. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't. That is so yeah. exciting, Jonathan. Uh, oh this is gosh. this is this is super cool. Um, and tell people a little bit about the I mean, we're t- sandwich shop. You know, that can that can mean a lot of things. It's um. Uh, it, so, it's, a, it's kind of a it's a step up than yes. maybe so some it, of the other places. So it's super premium. So yeah. all of the turkeys we do the night before we roast overnight, put them in the oven in the night before, pull, hand pull them that morning. So everything that you've got in these boxes right here are going to be butterball turkeys that were pulled apart just four hours ago. And then uh, the beef that we use is American Wagyu from Snake River Farms. Nobody else does that. Nobody else puts that on sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And it's very expensive, and it is delicious. Uh, uh, besides that, we've got pastrami. We've got Italian sandwiches. It's hard to compete in St. Louis with Italian sandwiches. But <laughs> it, it, ours is good. Uh, but I really like the uh, the turkey and the, that Snake River Farms Wagyu. The cheesesteaks are hands down. Nobody can touch those. Yeah. So everything on this menu is good. And then the catering. Yeah, with, I was um, just yeah, get into that. This, that. this box uh-huh. I brought you. So this will feed, uh, you know, 12 to 15 people easy there's 24 different four and a half inch sandwiches here so for snacks it'll feed two dozen people but then um you know we've got a meatball bar we've got cookies we've got brookies which are brownie and cookie cookie smash oh together my gosh. we've got uh those aren't here yet that. don't get too excited uh, i'm more excited about that we've got sour. i'm more excited about the meatball bar yeah and then we've got <laughs> salads and soups but the the real star here I, I I couldn't believe it till I tried them. Was the fries? They they wanted they asked oh, me did okay. I want to put in a fry or do I want Ooh. fries at my location? And eh. they said okay, you got to come try them. So I went out to Vegas. I tried them, and we serve a Philly cheesesteak or or a pastrami with slaw on it on fries. Oh baby! And it's my it, God. it's like it, they're thinner steak fries, and they are delicious. They're the best French fries. 
I've ever had. Incredible. So I got out there. I tried one. I said, put the fryer in. You know, I don't <laughs> oh, care no. what it costs. It was ridiculously expensive, but we've got a fryer. We've got the hood to accommodate it now. Oh, I don't care. Man. We got the best fries in St. Louis Can Lewis I ask now. you, Jonathan, about this yeah. catering business? Yeah. Um, is that like, so would people put in an order like obviously the day before? Like how would that work? Yeah, we need a little company? bit. It We can make this. I made this cater box right before I came here. I made this in 15 minutes. That's but awesome. if we want to get it in the cooler, we want to get it ready to make sure it gets there on time and everything. So yeah, four, four or five hours in advance is, is great if you just call us in the morning. Or uh, easycater.com is the delivery partner with that that we use. Uh, just, you know... DoorDash, Uber Eats, all those places, they're convenient. But if you go through the Capriati's app, we're going to contract with DoorDash to deliver it, but we don't have to pay them the commission then. So you, the the, the consumer saves money if yeah. they do it through their app. Plus, they get the rewards. You do one catering box, you're going to get a $10 coupon right there for your next sandwich. That's great. So, yeah, you're not going to get that if you order through DoorDash yeah. or Uber Eats. You know, mm-hmm. it's, try to, it's like Amazon. Try to avoid those big companies you can and do business directly with us amen and, and, save, and everybody saves money we keep it here in st louis yeah i'm glad we're talking about the catering too because obviously if you're looking for a great lunch or dinner you go to capriati's but the, uh, being somebody who has many times been the person in charge of ordering food <laughs> for a meeting <laughs> it, or for an event we or make something it so like easy that. we make it yeah. so easy uh, on that. To, yeah to be able to to go somewhere it's not only easy to work with, but actually the food is good mm-hmm. because, you oh, know, yeah. sometimes you can find a place it's really easy to work it, with. You get a good, nice spread of really bland food. Yeah, yeah this but food this travels is, well. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I know you're salivating over there. Get over it, so, and that's, uh, Katie, I brought you. Eating so, on the air is like uh, not uh, something you can do. But, the sandwich um, that's been voted God, I'm gonna dig best in. in America is the Bobby sandwich. And I was that's, just going to ask you about that. That's, yeah. the, uh, that's the sandwich. That's the turkey with um, stuffing and cranberry sauce. Oh, my gosh. On a roll. And I've got the cold one in the box, and then Katie, I brought you a hot one as well. That's amazing. So you got to try them both, see which one you like better. I like the hot one better. And then, and then in the fall, we've got gravy to dunk it into. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they just put the French dip on the menu. Uh, finally, it was a limited time thing. Oh, wow. That's on there. That's delicious. Uh, so everything out there is good. But yeah, catering is catering is going to be a big part of this business. That's yeah, I was going to ask you about the box. I'm looking these, at the sandwich, like the classic cheese These steak. boxes travel great. Yeah, they really, stack yeah. up real nice. Yeah, they're and, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they then, look great and smell great mm-hmm. and, like you said, travel well. We also do, uh, they've got little lunch boxes. We haven't made any of those yet with the with the crew. Uh, we've been practicing all week. We haven't done the little lunch boxes, but they come with chips or a cookie or, you know, uh, something, slaw on the side. We make all the slaw that morning. Everything's fresh. This looks yeah. so great. We yeah. get all of our local produce from Vicaro, and so it's a lot of local a lot of local stuff, and uh, even got my even got my kids working there. Child, <laughs> child labor laws do not apply, apply when you are the owner. Let's That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I was just looking at these of the same Sandwiches, like and you've been talking about them, the classic cheesesteak, the American Wagyu, um, the uh, the chicken, this grilled chicken parm. I mean, that looks like it's right up my Here, Here's I'm, the I'm cra- a sucker for it. The crazy thing, Tony, too, I, when I went out there to Las Vegas to work in a store for a week and I had to go back and do another week, I thought I was going to come back, you know, heavier. I lost like four pounds because yeah. it, it's it's fresher food you're not right it, 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 I, I was working a lot so i guess i wasn't snacking but it's like yeah i ate nothing but capriati's for a week and i lost money Fresh right, food. Lost, lost, weight. lost weight yeah so it's uh yeah it's it's definitely it's healthy food it's good food we can put it on salad we can put any of the sandwiches on salads if you don't want the bread i've had inquiries about vegan stuff um we're, we're researching that what we can do 
for the the vegan folks it's the menu's not really well catered for that but we um we've got the impossible meats too so when lent rolls around here next oh, week yeah you know you don't have to eat the tuna fish you can come in and have a yeah. cheesesteak it's not going to be as good but yeah. it's going to be it's vegetarian there. it's yeah. mm-hmm. it's by the time you put the onions and mushrooms and do everything else that we normally do with it it's it's pretty good yeah i yeah. mean it's I not mean, Ameri- kudos you for it's not american wagyu but yeah, it's good, good. yeah kudos you for uh making a product for those folks but i'll take yeah. the real meat yeah, <laughs> yeah. we the, the gluten-free bread I know they've tried that. It just doesn't work. So we do that. We'll do that over the salads or we'll do it over French fries. Yeah. For the, if mm-hmm. you got to be gluten free, but that's that the, the sandwiches over the fries are really good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they're Jonathan, so good. Got just a couple minutes here left here with uh, Jonathan Heslop, of course, from you've heard him for years uh, with Rockwood Charcoal, which is still a, a great local company. And now the owner of uh, Capriati's, the first Capriati's in St. Louis. And I wanted to, uh, not just brush over what you've what you've you've mentioned a couple times, which I think is is super important. Uh, Cabriati's is a franchise restaurant, but you are doing so many things locally. A lot of the food, a lot of like uh, like you said, the money, like it's it's not like it's it's a, you're you know it's all being controlled. Yeah, we're going not- back to a big corporation. There's a lot of local. Benefit. Yeah. So I've got the uh, I've got the area development agreement for St. Louis. So uh, the next two stores uh, will hopefully open in the next three four years, and then we'll go from there. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to do as much as I can locally with it, and uh, we've got to send some of that money back home to Las Vegas to sure. the Capriati's folks. But uh, most of that money is going to stay here yeah, in town. But using you know? local produce. Oh, absolutely. And local, like I mean, yeah. that's that's so really much. important. That's yeah, we, we're going to source as much as we can. Yeah, uh, there's there's certain products that uh, you know it's it's their branded stuff that we've got to sure. we've got to use that they're sure. making. They don't make it here, that's why. Right. But it, yeah, yeah, we're gonna get as much as we can locally, and uh, yeah. But to use that, to leave, use local produce, and 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 you know, use local, anything, you know, resources. Any tan. Did a, did a hundred percent Missouri with the uh, the Rockwood product. We can't do that. Exactly. Uh, can't do that with the sandwiches. <laughs> too many ingredients in the sandwich to, well, to make it a hundred percent. Charcoal's two ingredients: yeah. wood and fire. We can, <laughs> we can we can source those in Missouri. It's almost. Jar, it's almost grilling season too. I mean, it's we're getting there. February it is, now. It's, uh, uh, it, yeah, this week it, I would there. I didn't sell any charcoal in January. I'm so glad that the construction got pushed back. If we would have opened middle of January like we were supposed to, we would have been screwed yeah. <laughs> with that weather. On, so yeah. it was the right time. And now all of a sudden, charcoal is getting busy. Everybody's we're shipping like crazy right now, getting everybody ready for spring. All the distributors, and then uh, another hundred percent Missouri. We got Platinum Rock Legends. We're doing yeah, the next Saturday, next three Saturday nights. We'll be at Bottleneck Blues Bar at Ameristar. Come up. It's going to be a lot of fun. I saw some of the photos on Facebook. I actually was just scrolling through you guys' Facebook page today yeah. and I saw some of the photos you guys are having a freaking blast and the crowd it's, loves the performance. It's the best night of the week. It is so much fun. So fun. Two companies. Jonathan owns Two companies, Rockwood Charcoal, Cavriati's Sandwich Shop, and is part of one of the biggest local bands that we have. That's not only one of the local biggest local St. Louis bands, one of the biggest bands in the Midwest. When do you sleep? <laughs> uh, I've been working on it. And, and add four kids and, uh, add, and, yeah, and add, my and my real estate right. uh, job as well. So Jeez. yeah, there, there's not much sleeping going on right now. But uh, when you got four kids going to private school, it's uh, you got to have four jobs for four gotta kids. Keep moving. You only got one. You, you gotta have, <laughs> I, I'm staying. You'll here. understand yeah. one day. And I'm, yeah, done yeah. At, I'm done at three. Um, <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, I, That's what we all. And said. I had another one. <laughs> right. And I would, right. Best thing I ever did. 
Jonathan, one more time for people that are listening. Grand opening of of Capriati's is tomorrow. Where can they find? Where where's the restaurant? Where can they go online to learn more? Tomorrow morning, concern? yeah, tomorrow morning, ten o'clock. We're nine five three two Manchester, which is right in between, or is right at uh, Manchester and McKnight, which also turns into Rock Hill Road, um, across from the Aldi there. And yeah, we'll be there seven days a week. You can find it online at Capriati's just google it it'll pop up you know everything if you try to if you try to get on the website right now it's not going to show us because we're not turned on yet but tomorrow morning it will be turned on and it'll show live on everything that is fantastic all right it's i'm gonna be crazy we're gonna take a break so i can get a sandwich oh heck yeah so, yeah. I, oh, heck yeah. so do, do i need to cover the next segment because you, <laughs> yeah, you may need to stick be, around and talk to rodney boyd <laughs> i'll do because it. i'm gonna have my mouth full. i want to hear all of, I, I do want to talk to him i want to hear what's going on out there yeah, yeah in jeff well, city yeah. we're gonna get the update but i'm gonna uh, stuff my face uh, with as much Capriati's as I can uh, <laughs> before we get Rodney Boyd on the line. We'll talk to Rodney next. Jonathan, thank you so much. Capriati's Restaurant uh, opens tomorrow. Make sure you guys check them out. That is so fantastic. we right back on Colombo Kitty. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Yeah, people are watching on the cameras. Sorry. That was that's a bit embarrassing. Sorry, not sorry. Actually, because that sandwich have is something. Like two else. and a half minutes to try to eat a sandwich. It's so freaking good. Yeah, that's probably that probably wasn't a good look on the cameras for either one of us. But oh, oh yeah, I, yeah. My God. Go, <laughs> that Jonathan. It's so good. Capriati's uh sandwich shop. Jonathan Heslop uh, was just in here. He is the owner of the first St. Louis area Capriati's on Manchester. Um, it opens tomorrow. Grand opening is tomorrow. The food is just absolutely incredible. Uh, so get out there and check it out. It's everybody's new favorite uh, spot for lunch and dinner and for catering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Capriati's. All right. <clears throat> back to business here. And... Speaking of uh, back to business, uh, specifically back to local business uh, in the Missouri legislative session, we've got, uh, it's Wednesday afternoon, so that means Rodney Boyd, the uh, Missouri political insider, is on the line with us. Rodney, uh, sorry, I'm a little distracted by this amazing food that we have in studio, so um, I'll pull it together, and I really appreciate you. your time as always, my friend. How are you? I'm good, man. I wish I had some amazing food to distract me, Woo! so I'll be... I'll be supportively envious of you. <laughs> yeah, and you should be. You yeah. should be right. Yeah. So um, I was mentioning earlier when we were talking about having you on today that I have been uh, pleasantly surprised. And maybe I'm not. Uh, uh, maybe I'm not in uh, inside. Maybe I'm not plugged in enough to to know. And maybe my optimism is is misguided. But a couple weeks ago, I would have thought with the state of the division and drama in Jeff City in the Senate with Missouri Republicans that uh, we were going to be at a standstill and we weren't going to be, you know, that it felt like that that wasn't going to uh, resolve itself very quickly. And I don't I'm not saying it's resolved in, in any means, but I feel like we've kind of. Uh, uh, made progress quicker than I th- th- I thought we would. Is that is that true? Are we starting to get back on track in Jeff City? Well, I mean, I, I think to say that there's progress happening in the building is true. And look, we talked about this two weeks ago. There are, you know, it's funny. The things that people were most animated about were how to do, how to achieve certain goals and objectives. 
that's not it's not saying there was a big disagreement particularly in the senate on some of the goals and objectives it was how to get about doing them when you would do them and what the timeline was so the disagreement the tension involved from people feeling like if they didn't make an asserted stand that these priorities wouldn't be addressed not that there was a whole lot of deep division on that the priorities should be addressed so it was a little bit more protocol form personal hey in the past we person personalities mm-hmm. that stuff's still pretty raw. The personalities, dimensions, that some of the the tension is still raw. But that gives you know that, that gives it's given way to some of the work that people wanted to see get done, and that's why you see things moving forward. IT stuff's getting done. Some education reform stuff is is getting worked on, and people are kind of getting to move these policy initiatives forward. And all that obviously is set against the backdrop of the number one priority, which they work on up here which is the state budget, which the mm-hmm. House is working on as we speak. And that's where they basically take the 30-plus billion dollars of taxpayer money and figure out how to allocate it for the year going forward. Yeah. So I'm glad you bring those things up because for the first time in a couple of weeks, I, I wanted to focus on some of the actual bills, some of the uh, a- actual issues instead of the uh, the, the infighting. Um, so you mentioned IP reform. That obviously has been front and center for years. It's even kind of been at the heart of some of the, the drama that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Uh, what's the latest there? Is that... Is that moving, and is there uh, any reason to be maybe optimistic that this is the year that that is finally addressed? Well, look, I think it's got to be addressed because there's a, there's a lot of pressure, and the abortion issue has put gasoline on the IP reform fire. What does that mean? The legislature had some legislation that took effect when Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade that put some pretty significant restrictions on uh, abortion in Missouri. The groups who want less restrictions on abortion or using the very IP process that we've talked about so often to try to drive an initiative to put something before the voters in November that would create um, a more open access to abortions. Whether that would pass or not, we don't know. But the mechanism, the medium that they want to use to drive that conversation forward is the initiative petition. And for those that I don't want to talk over anyone's head, initiative petition is the process that citizens or anyone can use to change Missouri's laws, specifically statutes or the Constitution of Missouri. How do you do it? You go out and you collect enough signatures based on uh, residents and people who voted in the last presidential election. You get enough signatures, you can put virtually anything on the ballot. You got to get past some some mechanisms of the Secretary of State's office and some auditing stuff. But it's become a real heavily utilized modality for people who don't want to come into the Capitol or don't feel they're going to get what they want out of the Capitol, and they bypass the legislature and go straight to the voters. We talked about this for years. You walk into a voting booth, you might be familiar with the names of some of the candidates on the ballot, but if you have constitutional referendum language and you've never seen it before, it's pretty daunting to sort of get a deep dive or understanding of what exactly you're doing to the Constitution. Now, abortion obviously has enough context where people might be able to figure that out. But using this IP process to change the Constitution has allowed our Constitution to be amended, I think, in the last probably decade, maybe some eight times or more. Yeah, and and doesn't doesn't the Missouri Constitution have something like 119 amendments total? I mean, that's insane. Yeah, and and so the question (laughs) has become, should it be be a higher standard 
to amend the Constitution. Yes. And some people say, well, well, you know, but that's our right. And no one's saying you should take the right away. They just want to put the, the conversation. What I mean is they want to put a higher standard for amending the Constitution versus the statutory change. Yeah. One caveat, the statutory change, people feel like, well, if we do that, the legislature could just come back the next session and make a modification. And that's certainly true. And that's happened before. But I don't think that I don't think that you have to have a mutually exclusive approach. So one of the conversations that's, that's interesting is uh, Mary Elizabeth Coleman, Senator Elizabeth Coleman, who's I think going to be handling this package of IP reform, is open to some ideas about, you know, aggressive reform on the constitutional side, but also some modifications to put some more teeth into the statutory side of the initiative petition process so that everybody doesn't feel like the only way you can make your legal approach to changing laws is to go straight at the constitution. So it's going to be at least, and, and that's, I think healthy. I mean, at least those conversations are happening. Uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Coleman is a Senator who's, who's very cerebral. She's very bright, smart lawyer, and she's going to work with the chamber. She's going to go see the members. She's going to have the conversations that she needs to have to come up with something that she thinks will get passed a lot of what would be obstacles. Now, we'll see what that looks like in the final analysis, but she absolutely is, I think, dedicated to a lot, a lot of uh, uh, yeah. inclusive conversations from everybody that wants to see IP reform. So she'll be working it pretty hard. Uh, we're talking to Missouri political insider Rodney Boyd, and if the infighting and some of the drama that we have already seen hasn't been of a, enough of a distraction to lawmakers um, this legislative session, I know that there's um, uh, more distractions mm-hmm. that Katie has been keeping an eye on and has a question about. Rodney, I've been seeing a lot of videos circulating from last night about a pro-Hamas basically protest outside of a fundraising event for Israel. And I wanted to see, is that is this something that we're going to see a lot more happening in Jefferson City? And how does something like that affect the way we we push maybe laws to the side? If it does it take longer for people to make decisions? Is it a how distraction does, to Yeah, does do the protests like this happen often in Jeff City and when they do, does it become a distraction for what we're trying to get done? It's a great question. We have, uh, up here in Jeff City, you will see on any given day uh, a very robust set of folks protesting, raising their cause loudly, uh, making their point heard. The building is almost immune to that. Not that it's not important, but it doesn't really stop the process, right? It's, it's, it's almost sort of uh, anticipated. So you'll have the senators on the floor, House members in committee, and then you'll see someone... Uh, some group, 100, 200 people, you know, in the rotunda, uh, the center of the people's house, you know, yelling, screaming, accolades, whatever. So I think from the perspective of, you know, free speech, right to sort of petition, protest, whatever, that's normal up here. So it does not have any capacity to stop or amend the work that goes on legislatively. It just really doesn't. Ronnie, I have a, a, a question about a specific issue that I've seen in the news uh, a, a couple times over the last few weeks. But again, because of all the other things that we've been talking about in, in Jeff City, haven't had a chance to address it. Uh, another story today that I, I saw the headline, librarians urge lawmakers to shelve plan to turn Missouri libraries over to elected boards. Uh, this seems to be one of the uh, one of the big issues that are being discussed right now in, in, in Jeff City. Can you explain what this is? What what this issue is all about? So I'm, I'm familiar with it from 
from afar. And it's the issue about what um, books are allowed, what books are allowed from the perspective of what value propositions people are, are using to sort of teach, teach kids. It's part of what, what I guess we could call the culture wars, right? Mm-hmm. There's There's been some significant debates about what books are allowable, what books are allowable from the perspective of what narratives they're trying to drive in, in the cultural context. And so there's legislation, this, this isn't the first time the stuff that's been filed maybe one or two sessions before, to take a look at putting some elected oversight because quite honestly, there's people that say they're losing trust in the traditional uh, gatekeepers at libraries in certain settings. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a policy perspective that's not shared by all, but it's got enough people up here that are worried about it. So it's going to be a part of the debate. And you're going to see people passing and looking at moving initiatives to try to give some electoral oversight. Now, look, that's one way to deal with it. And is that the solution? I don't know. I mean, you know, we have elected officials over a lot of agencies that still, quote unquote, kind of get off track. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just one way that some lawmakers think might be allowed to put some oversight in in terms of what information are these institutions really putting in front of children and who's accountable for it? Right. Mm-hmm. Like the only option I think some people would say who advance this is if you don't like what's in the library or what's being pushed out there now, you know, just don't go or, or police yourself. And others are saying, no, these are public institutions and there ought to be some mechanism of accountability. And look, Tony, they think that an elected board or elected group of people who have to stand before the voters to maintain the right to run those institutions might be one way to bring some accountability. The debate is up in the air. Uh, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that. The solution that people are seeking solves the underlying problem. But I think for those that want to do something versus just sort of playing on the sidelines, this is the approach they're taking. Well, I appreciate that because I, I, I find this to be really interesting. And I am still learning and developing my thoughts on, on this issue as well. And it sounds like, and, and, and to, to your point there, it's a, it, 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 this is just a branch of the uh, the conversation uh you know the, the about education which you know and education and borders and crime i mean these these core uh issues that that uh, we'll be uh talking about throughout this entire yeah. session and and uh, Roddy, we're uh, unfortunately out of time but uh we'll definitely be uh you know those are the those are the issues that uh we'll be focused on in uh the coming weeks and we certainly appreciate your time as always my friend that is Rodney Boyd in Jeff City Thanks so Thank much. You, and I hope you guys get back to that great food that I distracted you from. <laughs> we, well, Thank during you, the we top of the hour news, we will be eating a sandwich. I can guarantee you that, Rodney. Thank, we'll, we'll save okay. one for you, too, my friend. Uh, thanks for your Thank time you this afternoon. Okay. Talk Thank to you, you soon. That is the great Rodney Boyd. And, uh, yeah, I've seen that issue pop up multiple times about um, it, 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 it elected board yes. control yes. over libraries. Mm-hmm. It's what it's come to. Yeah. And I don't know. I I have an initial gut feeling, but I don't know enough about the issue, but I do know that this is turning into quite the conversation. Oh, yeah. In Jeff City. So mm-hmm. I'm super interested in it. And that's why I really appreciate Rodney Boyd and uh, the tremendous insight about what is happening there in Jeff City during this legislative session. All right, we'll dive uh, back into some headlines in a bit. But first, let's have a little fun. We're going to open up Close's Cabinet. Talk to Mark Close for KC95. Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet. And that happens next on Colombo and Katie. Look at the- 